we're going to talk from a prophet, and I don't know if I've ever done much preaching on Micah, but turn with me to Micah chapter 6, and we're going to read verse 8. And uh, I was thinking there, sitting in pastor's chair, I don't know if I'm worthy sitting in this chair, maybe I should have sat in the other one. (laughs) But uh, thank God for our pastor. And uh, praying that God will strengthen him and his voice. Tom Malone lost his voice for a while at Midwestern Baptist College, and he didn't know if he was going to be able to preach anymore. And then God restored his voice. But uh, that'd be tough for you, Nancy, having having a, a preacher man for a husband that can't preach. And he wouldn't know what to do with himself, I don't think. But uh, thank God for our pastor. All right, stand with me if you would like and are able to. And uh, he hath showed thee, O man, what is good. And what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. I've entitled my message tonight, What God Requires. And three things are in this right here. And uh, let me say this. The prophet Micah dates his prophecy during the reigns of the three kings of Judah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. And we see that Micah 1.1. You can take a seat. And, uh, and he prophesied about 752 B.C. to 697, around there, and less than 20 years, probably about 11 years after that, or if the dates are right. Uh, Judah was going to fall and uh, because of sin, but Ahaz was one of the most wicked kings of Judah, the son of Jotham, who was a good king. There was five good kings in Judah. Jotham was one of them. Micah's prophecy paints a dark picture reflected during the reign of wicked King Ahaz. Well, the brighter aspects of Micah's prophecy reflects the godly reign under the king Hezekiah, who was also a good king, and he was the son of Ahaz. Proverbs 29 verse 2 says this, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. The king by judgment establisheth the land, Proverbs 29, verse 4, but he that receiveth gifts overthroweth it. Today in America, I think people are mourning and people are not too happy. I know President Biden's approval rating has dropped down to something like 36%, I think I heard on Fox News. And uh, But... There's too many politicians on both sides of the aisles that have been bought off by our lobbyists that are trying to get these politicians to go along with their agendas. But our land is not established by judgment that is fair and just, and Judah would go into captivity, as I mentioned in our verse text for us tonight, deals with three things that the Lord requires for each of us and what is good. Not only does he have requirements for nations, but he has requirements for each and of us uh, tonight as individuals. So let's pray. And then uh, I pray that, uh, Lord, pray that you'll help me with this message. I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would speak through me. And as I speak, I pray that people will not only hear with their ears, but Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd speak to their heart, 
I pray that they would be encouraged, and I pray that we would all make our lives count for the cause of Christ. We love you. Be with our pastor and help him and strengthen him to get better. And uh, Lord, all of us are blessed to hear him as he preaches week in and week out. And thank you for the love he has for you and for us. But Lord, I pray that you'll bless now tonight. Meet needs in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. There are blessings for obeying. Uh, God and his requirements and judgment for disobeying them. And uh, you have the choice and there are consequences, both good and bad, for obeying or disobeying God. Why God has requirements. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 4. And let's look at a verse. And uh, let me say this. I read through the Bible every year. And on 9-1 is when I seen this, I put a little less and I said... There's a sermon right there, and if I get a chance to preach again, uh, that's, uh, Lord, if you allow me, that's what I'll preach on. So that's what I'm doing tonight. And Brother Brandon hardly used any, any books, just what God has given me, and a little bit how you teach. And, uh, but you do a lot of studying, so uh, God bless you. And Brian, we are blessed to have our two adult Sunday school teachers uh, that we have, and uh, I love sitting under them as well. All right, Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. The Bible tells us this, and it's a short little chapter. Verse 11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. And uh, God created you and I for His pleasure. And Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image. We see that Elohim in the Hebrew, and that's the plurality of God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Some people think Jesus Christ just had a beginning about 2,000 years ago, but the Bible says He's from everlasting, and He's before all things, and by Him all things consist, as it says in Colossians chapter 1. Now, we know in... Genesis chapter 2, God gave one requirement for them to obey. And that was not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For in the day thou eatest thou thereof, thou shalt surely die. And they didn't die physically that day, but they died spiritually. We are dead in trespasses and sins in this day and age in which we live until we get born again and we get saved. And then our spiritual life begins, but physically we are born with an appointment one day to die. And in chapter 3, they ate of that tree, and sin separates us from God. Sin was born on this planet, and they died spiritually. And then 930 years later, the Bible tells us in Genesis 5-5 that Adam died. And uh, Satan said, oh, you won't die. But God makes a liar out of Satan every time. Satan always speaks to people's hearts. And uh, when you have a victory in your life and uh, you feel you're on the mountaintop, that's when Satan likes to attack a lot of times. This isn't part of my message, but I think of Elijah after the victory on Mount Carmel. The very next chapter, you see Satan working on him and, and the deal with Jezebel. And uh, I think of uh, the victory that Joshua had and the army of Israel when they went and, and the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. And then you see a, 
a catastrophe because of a lack of prayer. Tonight's prayer night. And uh, 36 people lost their lives because there wasn't prayer made and how they should go about it. And so, uh, yeah, be careful. And so, anyway, yeah, he died. And you and I one day are going to die barring the rapture. Hebrews 9.27, and you all know it as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. There are two judgments, as we know. I was hoping some of my folks that I work with and uh, would come tonight. I was looking when, when uh, any visitors, and I looked again. You know, Satan never makes it easy for anybody to come to a good Bible-believing church. He just doesn't. And, uh, and I told people, in fact, I might have a, a, a visitor this Sunday and, uh, that works the midnight shift. And he is searching, he's married, got a little one, and he says, it's interesting that you just mentioned God. And he says, I'd like to come. And I said to him, his name's Kyle. I said, Kyle, Satan will give you a thousand and one excuses not to come. And he won't make it easy, but you come, you purpose in your heart. And he said, I'm going to come. So pray for this man, Kyle, that he'll come. All right, so one for the lost and then one for the saved, the judgment seat of God. And let's look at Revelation, since you're there, at chapter 1. And verse number 5, it's a great verse. And the Bible tells us, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, God's son, met the requirements of a just and holy God for you and I to be forgiven. The Bible says he tasted death for every man. Not one of us would be able to have a hope of going to heaven without Jesus dying personally for us. I think I put the top on. First time I preached, I spilled water all over my notes. I'll never forget that. But anyway, let's go on. And so, yeah, the penalty for breaking God's first requirement, sin when it is finished, bringeth forth death, is still in force. But Jesus, God's Son... Died in our place, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. John 5.27 tells us that the Father hath given Jesus, His Son, the authority to execute judgment. And all of us are going to face Jesus Christ face to face. And that is an awesome thing to think about. And, uh, uh, yeah, I won't be given account for this church, pastor well, from a spiritual welfare. We will give an account in different ways, but we'll give an account for our lives and the requirements that God has showed us that He wants us to do in our personal lives 
And so let's get on with Micah 6, 8 now. Meeting these requirements pleases God is my first point to do with this message. Number one, to do justly. To do justly, to act justly is to treat people fairly and respectively. Jesus said on the Sermon of the Mount, the golden rule, Matthew seven twelve. Therefore all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye so even to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Bob Jones Sr., I'm not old enough, Pastor could probably share a little bit more uh, about Bob Jones Sr. Did you ever hear him preach? Okay, I didn't. I got to hear a lot of uh, old-time preachers at Midwestern Baptist College, and it was a thrill to hear them. But his son did preach at our Father's Day, and uh, that was nice. But Bob Jones Sr. said, do right till the stars fall. Do right. Do right, do right. Don't mistreat others or abuse them by taking the good things that God has given to other people, such as life, freedom, or property. And those three things are being attacked in our country, and that's hard to believe. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 5, God said to Solomon when he became king, and he says, but I'm just a little child, and... God, will you give me wisdom? It wasn't that he'd already sired a a child. He was already a father, but he was inexperienced is what that statement means. And he says, give me wisdom that I may judge and be the kind of king that this nation needs. And God granted him the wisdom And then we know in verses 16 through 28, for time's sake, because I want to be able to finish my last point of this message, there's the story of the two women, and they both had the babies. And the one rolled over during the night and suffocated her little child, her little baby, and she took from the other woman her child and stuck it in her bosom And then when she woke up, when she was going to give it suck to feed the baby, she realized that the baby was dead and then it wasn't her baby. And so they went before the king and she said, give me my son. But she said, no, this is my son. And so it went before King Hezekiah, or not King Hezekiah, King Solomon. And uh, Solomon said, well, bring the child here. And he asked for a sword. And he says, I'll divide, have the child divided in two and give half to the one and half to the other. Well, the mother of who the living child was says, don't do that. Give her the child. But the other says, no, divide it. And King Solomon said, no, that's the mother right there. And the people heard of the wisdom that God had given. And the Bible tells us that all Israel hears of the judgment of the king and they saw the wisdom that God gave Solomon to do judgment and to do justly. God wants us to do justly. All of us are going to be faced with moral questions and uh, things and uh, whether it be our taxes, whether we're paying our bills or whatever or how we treat others. God wants us to do justly. Do right, do right, do right. 
And so number two, the Bible says to love mercy. Before I get into that, let me say this. People ask me questions like, uh, how do you find a good church? And I'm very happy to answer a question like that. I said, well, for me, number one, do they preach the gospel? Do they tell people how to be saved through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ? Number two, do they have a pastor that really gives the word of God, has a love for God, and has a love for people, and thank God for ours, amen? Amen. And then I say, is it a church where if you got kids where you could bring them and the kids are going to get to hear the word of God? Is it a church where you're going to get fed? Is it a church where you can serve? And is it a church where you can give your tithes and offerings because God wants us to give to the storehouse, give to the Lord through the storehouse where, where we meet? And our tithes and offerings don't belong going to missionaries or going to different works on, that you hear. Your tithe belongs right here at Faith Baptist if you're a member. And I can give without reservations my tithes and offerings to this church. And yeah, my wife and I give for other things, but our tithe belongs here. And uh, and God promised to bless us if we do that. That's an easy question. And then some people try to set me up. And they say, Gary, what do you think of something like, uh, how about homosexuality? How do you feel about that? Yeah, and, uh, and my standard answer for that is it doesn't really matter what I think. It really matters what God thinks and uh, what God says in his word. Let me say this. God hates the sin of homosexuality. He hates my sin, and I share some places in the Bible, like in Leviticus 19 and others, and uh, but also share that God loves them and they can be saved just like anybody else. But use wisdom when people ask you. Ask God for wisdom. That's what Solomon did. And when you do that, you'll be able to do justly. All right, let's get on to number two, to love mercy. Number two requirement, to love mercy. None of us are perfect, only Jesus Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, For there's not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. We've all blown it. And I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Gary eats popcorn. That's Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. And I'm going to get to get to... Ephesians before you. I was going already to popcorn. And uh, all right, Ephesians chapter 4. And let's look at verse 31. The Bible tells us, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Being merciful to love mercies to be kind and to be forgiving. And verse 32 tells us, And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, 
even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And I'm thankful for God's forgiveness. I'm thankful for His mercy. There's a chapter in Psalms, I, did, I, forget, I forgot to look it up, but His mercy endureth forever. What chapter is that, do you know? Okay. Well, there's one in the book of Psalms. His mercy endureth forever. Who knows it? Homer? 136. Thank you, Homer. And, uh, yeah, I've told people I used to open it up to questions before I preached, but no pastor knows everything. Amen? Maybe he does. <laughs> All right. So anyway, uh, yeah, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you, it pleases God to be kind, forgiving, and showing mercies to others because we need it ourselves. So that's the second requirement. Requirement number three is to walk humbly with thy God. A person who walks humbly thinks it's not about me, but it's all about Jesus. And to walk humbly with God, first of all, you have to be saved as well. Look at with me, and if you're there in Ephesians, flip over a couple pages to Philippians chapter 2. And let's look at verse number 5. Philippians 2 verse 5, and popular portion of Scripture. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. What great love. He was thinking of you and me when he was on that cross. He's God. Omniscience. And he knew of you that we'd be living now. And he'd know, he knew we'd be wicked and filthy and sinners just like anybody else throughout the ages because it all started with Adam. And I'm looking forward to meeting Adam because he's been forgiven just like you and I that are saved, amen? And, uh, but anyway, the Bible tells us, as thou hast sent me into the world, Jesus is praying for his own before he goes to the cross in John seventeen eighteen. Even so have I also sent them into the world. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and I'm turning back there. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, the Bible tells us this. We're to walk humbly with thy God is requirement number 3, verse 15, and that he died for all, that they which, should, which live should not live henceforth unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. We're to be thinking of others. We should be thinking less of us and more of others. We should be thinking more about God than about me, me, me. And the Bible tells us in verse 20, it says, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead be reconciled to God. We're ambassadors for God. That's humbling to me, that God would choose me to be an ambassador. And he's chosen you. What an awesome privilege. 
But it's humbling to think that a holy God from everlasting, that he's mindful of us and how much he loves us. And then let's think of Jesus in the garden. He's saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And so let's follow our example, the Lord Jesus Christ. And not our will, but thine be done. All three traits, all three traits of these requirements, justice, mercy, humility, all reflect a heart of love and all delight our God in heaven, and it pleases Him. We are made for His pleasure. I've got eight minutes, and Darren, I liked how you finished at eight o'clock. I'm going to follow you, buddy. All right, let's look at the last. Not meeting these requirements has consequences. And let's turn to Zechariah chapter 7. And I write the dates after, and I've got seven chapters to read, and I'll be done with this year's reading for the 26th year in a row. I love reading through the Bible every year, and it's been a blessing to me. I read this. On 9-23-23, this chapter. And it really caught my eye. And I wrote some notes on the side of it. And I put sermon here, and I says, man, this goes with what I read in Micah. So let's read it. And the word of the Lord in chapter 7, verse 8 says, And the word of the Lord came unto Zechariah, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Execute true judgment, and show mercy and compassions every man to his brother. And oppress not the widow, nor the fatherless, nor the, uh, the stranger, nor the poor. Let none of you imagine evil against his brother. Sounds like the same requirements, doesn't it? But they refused to hearken. And they pulled away the shoulder and stopped their ears that they should not hear. Yea, they made their hearts as adamant stone, lest they should hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts has sent in his spirit by the former prophets. Therefore, the Bible tells us, came a great wrath from the Lord of hosts. And therefore... It is come to pass that as they cried and they would not hear, so they cried and I would not hear, saith the Lord of hosts. But I scattered them with a whirlwind among the nations whom they knew not. Thus the land was desolate after them that no man passed through nor returned, for they laid the pleasant land desolate. Today, most people won't hear the Word of God as it tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 through 4. 2 Timothy 3, 4 says they're lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And the last verse there in 2 Timothy 4, 2 through 4, which I mentioned, 
They turn their ears from the truth and they're turned on to fables. And it's sad that that's the day and age in which you and I are living. How are you going to know God's requirements if you don't go to a good Bible-believing church? If you refuse to read or listen to the Word of God. But a lot of people have turned their ears off. They don't want to hear it. I've had people get mad and get in my face. And don't you ever... I've had a few of those. I've also had a few people cry and say, I've been searching. I've been praying for God to help me to learn about how to go to heaven. I've seen everything out there in soul winning and seen a lot of things as a pastor. And there are serious consequences, grave consequences to not meeting the requirements of God. I'd like to share with you one last requirement. Bill Gates, 10 years or more years ago, he was estimated at having 59 billion dollars. And he said Christians just use the church and Jesus Christ as a crutch. Let me say this, the Lord is my helper. It talks about that in different places of Scripture. I'm glad that he's just more on a crutch. He's a foundation for my life and so many things. He's everything. And he said, I've got better things to do on Sundays like making more money. My time's almost done. We won't turn there, but Luke... 12, 19 and 20. I'm going to turn there and I'll read it and not read the whole story. In Luke chapter 12, it's the story of the rich man. And if you read that account, you will see I and me and my and all the personal pronouns. And then it says this, and I'm in chapter, um, you said about spelling backwards names. I'm looking at 21. All right, let me get to chapter 12. All right, verse 19, the Bible tells us this. And I, in the Lord speaking, and I will say to my soul, this is the man's soul, thou as much goods laid up. Jesus is talking about this rich man and his story for many years. And he says, take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. This rich man, but God said, and there's a requirement here. Unto him thou fold this night. Thy soul shall be required of thee. And then, who shall those things be which thou hast provided? The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 6, 7, we came into this world with nothing and we'll leave with nothing. Materially speaking. The only thing you and I can take with us is what we've done for Christ. What shall it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own souls? Let's... Do this. Let's make our lives count for Christ. His requirements lead to a purposeful life worth living. Let's pray. Lord, pray that you'll bless now. And uh, thank you for your goodness.
And uh, Lord, we love you. Thank you for the commandments that you've given us. They're not grievous, but for our good and our well-being. Help us to be Christ-like. We pray in Jesus' name.